Wonderful to have you here as part of our studio audience. If you're joining us live as part of our studio audience or you're as most people do, joining us online either today or later in the week, it's wonderful to have you here today. And, and today what we're talking about is we're continuing on with our series, Life Worth Living. And we're looking at that topic of, of life worth living. And it's, it's not saying that there are some lives that aren't worth living or anything. It's talking about life like this force and there's this force out there in the world, a beautiful force that's, that's filled with love and giving and blessing and challenge, all those things, that, that that's the life out there and that that's what's worth living. So how do we kind of attach to that? Not being segmented like here are five lives, not worth living, here are five lives, worth living. But notice, notice how there's, there's this part of our heart that just knows there is a life out there, life out there, life out there that is just so worthwhile to live into. And that's what this series has been all about. It's interesting, as a, as a pastor, I'm very blessed to be able to work with a lot of young adults through, through our ministry with our local college. And, and one of the conversations that comes up a lot is just this idea, and it's a beautiful part of life where a young adult will be like, yeah, you know what, yeah, we can be anything we want to be. Uh, I wanna be this, I wanna be that, I wanna be, I'm gonna be able to be anything I wanna be. Is that necessarily true? Not all the time. My desire to be a center on an NBA team will never be realized. There's just things we have that are, that are natural limitations. And, and that doesn't mean that we can't live a very full life, that we can't find that life worth living and really get down in that life to what matters most. What matters most. Because I think once we get clear on on what matters most, we'll have this sense in us of, of what's our responsibility there. How can we be responsible? It comes down to these two questions here, beautiful questions. What are you responsible, who are you responsible to, and what are you responsible for? The two and the four. What are you responsible, let's take a look at this again, who are you responsible to, what are you responsible for? taking a look at those questions, taking a look at, yeah, what, is, what do these really mean? What are these really all about? Now, I wanna say there's, there's one way to do it. I mean, we can step into a place where we look at a question like that or questions like that, and we can step into a place where we think, really, this is a, a guilt trip somehow, that you know, any sense of responsibility is, a, is an obligation, and we, we live in an era where I think personally, and here I'm gonna sound like an old-fashioned curmudgeon, you know, as I was telling the college kids about this, uh, where we can believe obligation is somehow a bad thing. That we never want to feel that somebody's obliged or, or that we're obliged to do something, that there should be a bunch of shoulds in the world. We can take obligation and should do and, and be what you're responsible for. We can take that too far, obviously, as we can do with any moral virtue. And folks, think of it this way. Think of people in your life who you know are real high character people. People you can truly depend on. People who you can set your watch to. You just know they're gonna get stuff done. I bet you they have a very developed sense of responsibility and obligation. That there's just certain things that they're responsible for and they're willing to be responsible for. And that beautiful word, response, able, able to respond. And it means you have an ability to respond and it means you just have an openness to it. You're open to hearing it. You're open to working with it. And that's where we want to be, folks. We want to be, we want to be in a life that, that actually, that's, that's beyond just 
preferences. And that's it's such a hard message to kind of give today. It's, it's such a hard message, I think, to communicate to people because we are barraged with, with all kinds of things that are sort of catered just to our preferences. Just to our preferences. But maybe there's something more. Maybe there's something we can look at that actually is more about building. More about building, more about character, even down to building churches and other institutions where we have a sense of responsibility there. And the sense of responsibility, friends, it comes out of opportunity. It does not come out of this sense of guilt. I think that's really important. A sense of opportunity, not a sense of guilt. Because those places are where we'll actually find what truly matters, where we'll serve what truly matters, where we'll we'll allow God to be part of our lives. And we'll understand and we'll start to see this beautiful marriage between responsibility and accountability. Again, not accountability that's guilt-driven, but, but accountability can be every bit as much about celebration. Celebration that we can move forward into the world, remembering that tomorrow needs you. Let that sink in for a second. Tomorrow needs you. Tomorrow needs us. How do we get there? Responsibility. Folks, Welcome to New Church Live. It's wonderful to have you here today. So glad you're taking the time to join us, whether that's Wednesday at 9 p.m. or today, Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Great to have you here. Welcome, friends. Welcome to New Church Live.
Mother, mother Everybody thinks we're wrong Who are they to judge us Simply cause our hair is long You know you've got to find a way To bring some understanding here today And pick it line And pick it size And don't talk to me Sister. With brutality Sister. Just talk to me Brother. And you will see Brother. What's going on So friends, when we take a look, thank you for that song, by the way, you too. As we, we take a look, friends, at, at that idea of, of responsibility, that ability to respond and the opportunity that's there, isn't just, it's kind of, I wanna come at it with a lot of fun and joy because I think there's a lot of fun and joy to be had. Yeah, what are we responsible for? Because people actually wanna be responsible. They, they wanna be, from a Christian New Church perspective, they wanna be useful. They want to engage in activities that they know actually make a difference out there in the world. Never met anyone who said like, you know what, today I don't want to make any difference at all anywhere. Just said no one ever. That's, that's where to come for it. And, and, and again, coming at it from a sense, again, that we live in a culture that, that doesn't necessarily always support that, at least as I see it, as I experience it. So let's take a step back as we, as we get at this question. What are we responsible to? Who are we responsible for? It's interesting with the way, you know, that the, the biblical canon go. Canon sort of means like the, 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 the things we consider holy. And it's interesting to see how much they mirror, when you look at the Bible, it mirrors so much of our spiritual life. It mirrors sort of phases we go through. Now, we can start oftentimes in a, in a place where we can see religion, where we can see spirituality as a true-false test. That there's only two possible answers. One's the right one, one's the wrong one. Some people are still there. <laughs> they get stuck there, and that's where we end up with fundamentalism, clericalism, a lot of other things that don't tend to engender a really loving faith. But it's, it's a critically important starting point. That idea of some things are true and some things are false, because some things are. Some things are actually true. Some things are actually false. There, there are definite absolutes. And our faith needs to grow. 
And then it can shift to this point, sort of a second phase, where instead of just seeing everything as true-false, where we actually evolve to a point, grow to a point, walk with God to a point, where we start to see it more as a multiple-choice test. Oh, here's a challenge in life. There are all these options. And it's not that it's binary, one's really bad, one's really good. It's this one might be the best one, but this one may not be so bad, and maybe in this situation sees the best answer because that's the best we can do for now. We start to see it as a multiple choice test. And then later on in life, we start to see it just as this ongoing essay, this book with different chapters. And it's a book that has a chapter that says true, false. It's a book that has a chapter that says multiple choice. And then it has this book in the New Testament and in Christian New Church theology that's really all about coming back to a loving God and walking in the way. What does it look like to walk in the way, which is what Christianity was called originally? What's that walk look like? Not what is the law or what are the particular answers, but just what is it like to walk in this way where we can find responsibility on our life's, on our life's journeys? And we can see, folks, how, this, how, this thing, how these evolve over time. Here's a reading from Deuteronomy 5. So, so what happens, this is the Old Testament way before the birth of Jesus. This goes back to the very beginning of the book. And there's this, there's this beautiful story, and it's a story of people trying to escape slavery, find freedom, find the promised land. And right before they go into the promised land, their leader, Moses, says, look, I got to remind you of a few things, just to remind you about how to navigate this new place where you are. And this is how he sets it up. Hear, Israel, the decrees and law I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Mount Horeb. That's the Ten Commandments. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. And that leads us into the Ten Commandments. Now, these, these Ten Commandments, folks, they're really important because, because they're sort of, again, they come from a sort of a true-false place, but then over our lives, I think we can see the Ten Commandments move and sort of grow through our lives to mean something very different. And these are just basic building blocks, real basic building blocks, simple ones. Let's take a look at them real quickly. I'm the Lord your God, you shall not have strange gods before me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember to keep holy the Lord's day, that's the Sabbath. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or husband should add that. You should not covet your neighbor's goods. Those are, those are the basic building blocks. And, and they're, they're really powerful. They're, they're, they're great to have because they, they, they sort of set up a paradigm where it actually starts with a very important sacred no. I mean, folks, just for those of you who've been part of, of child rearing, I, I'm sure you've had to say no to your child because you know in a certain way, if you create that structure, that it actually will leave your child in more freedom as they grow through their lives. Raising children is not about saying yes to everything. Watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory if you need to see a little movie on that. It's about this understanding that there are certain things where we just go, yep, can't do that, that simple. 
And notice how these Ten Commandments start. The Ten Commandments start with saying, this is who you're responsible to. You're responsible to God. And what are you responsible to God? You're responsible for these other things. And we can look at this, friends, again, uh, you know, in, in some way of, in terms of what's the opportunity. I'm going to come back to that word opportunity several times. And, and we start to see this not just as a commandment about what not to do, but we start to see the opportunity in there. Let's, let's just take a little one. You shall not kill. You shall not kill. Right? Makes sense. Probably none of us today are going to be tempted to kill someone. Hopefully not. So that one is interesting because it's so extreme. What does this really have to do with us? Well, I think, I think as our lives grow and they move forward and, and we grow spiritually, you know, and with a lot of humility, open to what God is doing through our lives, what we start to see is we can start here again at that true-false, don't kill. That's simple, true-false answer. Yep, don't kill. That's the truth. But then by the time we're at this essay point, We've moved through multiple choice, now we're to the essay part. Just, just think about what those words you shall not kill really mean. Don't take away somebody's good name. Don't gossip. Don't interject those little barbs. Don't listen to somebody's dream and come up with a list of all the reasons why it can't work. See, that's where thou shalt not kill becomes an opportunity and we flip it. Don't kill and that also means be a life giver. Be a life giver. It's a beautiful thing to sort of hold when we, when we play through this and we, we, we look at how those opportunities start to open up and there's a beautiful line. It goes on in Deuteronomy later on. And this is, this is God talking to Moses. And God says, so that it might go well with them. I mean, this is so that it goes well in our lives. That's not the typical way of holding rules. Rules, structures, all of that is there so that we can actually have a life that goes well. They're there to help us, not to hurt us. And then, folks, we flip into this beautiful New Testament. And it's not the of the New Testament over here with Jesus. Those of you aren't familiar, New Testament happens from Jesus' birth on, starts with the Christmas story and goes through. It's not that the birth of Jesus somehow negates all the Old Testament stuff. What it does is it refines it. I mean, folks, just think about in your life. Has your view of God changed over your years? Probably. Has God changed? No. But our understanding of God grows, and that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about an evolution, and that's what, that's what really faith is all about. It's about allowing this thing that grows and evolves and changes and shifts. New church. Maintenance is perpetual creation. That idea that there's this perpetual creation going on and that includes with our life and our faith. It's still got the same basic compass points, but the map changes a bit. And that's where Jesus' arrival is just so incredibly powerful. Because we see a shift here. 
Instead of the Old Testament view where you had God and then you have many, many characters in the Bible, but we're just kind of sticking with one of the main ones, Moses, at least in that time, the time that we're reading about in Deuteronomy, you had sort of God and you had Moses and then you had the people. And God related to the people through Moses and through the commandments. And here's Jesus, and it just, it takes that message and now it refines it and it pulls it forward into incredibly beautiful ways. Where Jesus is like, yep, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen God. But Jesus doesn't kind of overplay that. What he does is he comes down off the mountain figuratively and walks among us. Walks with you, walks with me, walks with us, and is continually teaching us about how love looks. And it's not about discounting it. Jesus was really clear. He said, you know, you've heard it said, dot, dot, dot. And I say, it's this beautiful addition, this beautiful evolution. And, and friends, when we get to that evolutionary place, it's, it's, such, a good, it's such a good spot to be because We've, we've, we've sort of incorporated the rules in our life. Like, it's not that we've, we've jettisoned them. We just, we know there's rules we have to live by. But now there's this beautiful understanding of what the way is, or I should say an opening understanding of what the way is. And as, as we do that, I think our sense of what we're, who we're responsible to and what we're responsible for, it starts to shaft In a shift, I mean, there's so many shifts I think we could look at. One, one that's coming to mind is this idea sort of that, that who am I responsible to? Well, Old Testament is clear. You are responsible to God. And here Jesus adds that message and he gives us a nudge. And we go, I mean, that's the beauty, folks. We go through this, this, this shift too, I think. And here's Jesus saying, well, who are you responsible to? And I think what Jesus would say is Jesus is responsible to, you're responsible to the person right in front of you. Whoever that is. And that's how you're responsible to God. Beautiful peace. New church theology says, yeah, loving other people, loving God are the exact same thing. That's kind of the core of Christianity. Love the Lord your God and the person right in front of you. And when you love the person right in front of you, you're loving God. The power of that, folks, means that, that, that a, lot of, a lot of the New Testament stuff with Jesus, it comes down to very simple acts. Here's a beautiful one from Matthew 10. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, meaning children, because they are my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will not lose his reward. Again, see Jesus saying that with a smile. It, it, it just that simple. Jesus is saying, look, if, if you want to follow me, like you want to be my disciple, and, and disciple think discipline, like academic discipline, it means a learner. If you want to learn, you want to be a learner in this way. He's saying, yeah, you know, give a cup of cold water to a little kid. That's profound. That's a very different way of holding responsibility. A very different way of, of seeing opportunity. 
And it's a very grounded approach that points us towards a deep love of service. Now, here's an interesting one. This is a piece of Christian New Church thought that, that is a beautiful idea. So it's an interesting quote, taking advantage of the opportunity to help others. Let me give you the context for that. So much of our lives, right, friends? So much of our lives is this, is this battle between the lesser angels of our nature and the better angels of our nature. We have a part of us that is a little bit of the dark side, <laughs> And we have a part of us that is a little bit of the light side. And we're always caught between those two. We, I shouldn't say caught, I should say we live between those two. All of us have these, these bad habits, you could call them. All of us have these things that lead us astray, these, these shadow parts. The shadow self, as Thomas Merton would say, the false self. And all of us have this deeper, truer self, which is what's going to grow to eternity, and God doesn't waste anything, so he actually uses this to get us to understand this more and more. We can live in that way, but it's not going to work. It just won't. And eventually we'll see the opportunity to live this way, but, but we'll always have that balance of those two things as long as we're alive in this world. Now, these lesser angels of our nature that stand over in this place, well, these lesser angels of our nature... Here's an interesting one. We have to be able to differentiate, okay, where, where am I coming from? Am I coming from the lower angels of my nature or am I coming from the better angels of my nature? Here's a simple one. From our theology, we think, well, maybe all this is about is attacking. Anytime you feel that urge, just that urge to attack, that's coming from the lower angels of your nature. It's coming from hell. Because all attack wants to do is attack. All attack wants to do is to be angry. All attack wants to do is like charge. I was, I was coming to an intersection a few days ago and, and somebody hit somebody's bumper right in front of me. And, you know, so I pull around and this person who, this person like, they got out of their car and it was like attack mode. I mean, they were, you know, I'm not going to say the word. You know what I mean. They were angry. It was this instant attack. I get being upset. You get being upset. If you're in an accident, we all get upset, right? I could see even losing my cool a little bit. And I know that no one looks back at that kind of anger and that kind of attack and says, yep, that was the perfect way to handle it. I'm so glad I did that. We just know it doesn't feel right when we sit back a few days later and look at it. So that's the lower angels of our nature. That's the part from hell in many ways. Now, what about the higher angels of our nature? Well, the higher angels of our nature, friends, those higher parts, they're always looking for the opportunity. I mean, just imagine if you have a real challenging thing that's happening for you today, a challenging conversation, a challenging Zoom call with someone, a challenging work meeting tomorrow, you know, whatever it might be. Imagine coming to that and coming to that with the perspective, oh yeah, what's the opportunity here? What's the opportunity? What could happen? Can I just be open? 
That's what this is talking about. And I feel that that's where the, where the better angels of our nature really work. And that gets back again to what Jesus said here about this small little act of cold water. That's the taking the opportunity at that moment. One of the pieces that is beautiful, and it's where we come to again as we've moved through life and we've evolved, this beautiful idea here. It's talking about power and who the leaders are in heaven. Actually, it's not they who have power, but the services that they love. And when service rules, the Lord is ruling. So what, what we fall in love with, folks, we don't fall in love with our own power, prestige, or possessions, the big three Ps there. What we fall in love with is the use sort of this thing, the use, this, this service that we can provide. And we get to lose ourselves in that. Now, the self we lose, again, it's, it's that lower part of us. We get to lose that, and it comes back to this beautiful part of our best intentions, and we get to, to realize how that looks. And we start to see something, it's just, you've been there, right? I don't have perfect words for it, but you know what that flow is like where it's no longer about building hierarchies or who does what. It's, it's that, that quote that many people say all the time, it's amazing what we can accomplish when no one has to take credit. Well, folks, it's amazing what we can accomplish when no one has to take credit. Because all the credit is going to, all the credit, boy, listen to this, please. All the credit is going to the fact that you're in this life and you have the opportunity The credit goes to that you're in this life and you have the opportunity. And when we step into that, with all its inconveniences, with all its discomforts, when we step into that, we start to see things truly grow. This morning, out on a walk. I like to go out on a walk early in the morning. Great time to text me, by the way. If you ever want to talk about something, text me at like 6 in the morning. 215-740-3662. You can text me in the morning. Great time to respond. Somebody was texting me this morning. And uh, Angela's her name. Angela's a dear friend along with her husband, amazing husband, Jason. And great couple. And, and she had run a, a, a fundraiser yesterday for, uh, for breast cancer research. And she did it at her, at her studio, at her exercise studio, up in Richboro, fairly close to here. And this morning we're chatting and she sends me these beautiful pictures from it, you know, the, how it had all gone. I mean, folks, look at the smiles on all those faces. A lot of pink, a lot of smiling faces. You see, friends, as the musicians come out for our middle song here, Think about that. Like, that was an opportunity. That's a stepping in. That's where we fall in love with, with not owning a business. Like, look, I own a business. It's my business. What you fall in love with is the useful service. You fall in love with the use. It's no longer about you. But here's the miracle part. It allows us to really feel as if, as of self, it allows us to really feel that it is our own, that, that we got to create this. That's what God wants. God wants you to feel this way. He just doesn't want you to be consumed with self-concern. He wants you to feel that you matter.
He wants you to actually know that you matter. And you matter and you understand what matters the most and you're able to take responsibility in life. When we come back, we're gonna touch again, we're gonna touch again on that concept of mattering. Enjoy our next song. Keep shining on, on and on, so may see their way. It isn't necessary to be worthy of love, like the lawn sign says, you matter. You're enough Your legacy will always carry on After you have gone Your love lifted us somehow Became a part of us now Wherever love has taken you It won't forsake you it may say to you Love will never be lost It'll be with you everywhere Finding a way to reach you Through song, through a prayer And when the music can open the lines Illuminate your sight to the place of beauty, the place of light Shining on over us It may say to you A life well lived And the morning comes again And the road will end As the new one begins Wherever love has taken you It won't forsake you it may say to you, keep shining on, on and on, keep shining on, on and on, keep shining on, on. 
I love that, that lyric, you know, keep shining on, on and on. Simple parable. Jesus says, if you have a light, let your light shine. Don't hide it under a bushel. Don't hide it under a basket. And it goes on to say, it's a part that's not talked about that much, but it goes on to say, well, let your light shine. Don't put it under a bushel so that other people might be able to see. Can you hear the opportunity there? I mean, I think there's a lot, a lot there. One of the ideas, I heard this on a podcast, and I think it fits really well in with the Christian way of life, is the idea that what we're trying to do is we're trying to create unconditional mattering. Unconditional mattering. That's, that's a beautiful way to hold life. It's a beautiful way to understand this concept of responsibility and opportunity. And it works kind of two ways. Again, I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon over the past couple weeks. So the curmudgeonly part is like, yeah, a lot of people see mattering and they just think, well, that just means a bunch of people walking up to someone and saying, you matter, you matter, you matter. All right, let's get that all cleared up. You matter. <laughs> it's true. You do, you matter. But it has to be more than just this message that comes in. It can't just be uh, somebody standing there just receiving endless waves of accolades that tell them that they matter. It's, that's not it. It can't just be what we receive. Maybe more importantly, or maybe it's 50-50, I don't know. Maybe more importantly, it's about what we give. That mattering is what goes out from us not the compliments that all come to us. You matter. In two senses. Imagine a coach of a team speaking to a player and they really want to get across to this player that this player matters. Well, why does that player matter? Well, that player matters because that player is a person. And that player matters because the team needs them needs them to fill some role or some niche that they can fill, that they can do. It's true mattering. It's not just a mattering where it all goes one direction. And that's where, and here, I, here I'm gonna use this word, this is from Rain Wilson who wrote a recent book on spirituality. It was talking about with, with a parishioner a couple of days ago. It's this word reciprocity. That's one of the biggest challenges, I think, maybe in, in, in community these days and trying to build community. Is how do we build, and it's an open question, how do we build with this sense of responsibility and opportunity? How do we build this sense of reciprocity? Which gets right back to unconditional mattering. Where yes, it matters that you're a human being and it also matters that you figure out a place to be responsible where you can give, where you can help build, where you can add to other people's lives, where you can add, ready for this, where you can add to institutions. That's where reciprocity starts to really work. That becomes a circuit. 
That's how electricity can flow. When we start to understand that, folks, I think we start to see life in a very different way because we start to see that, well, we have responsibility and it's responsibility to contribute to the world. And that keeps faith from just being a private salvation project. That's not what faith is about. Faith is about a journey. It's about walking. It's about the way. It's about the never-ending essay. That's how it's supposed to work. I was listening to that, that same podcaster who talked about unconditional mattering, which I really love. You know, we don't put conditions on it. Everybody matters, and everybody has a role to play. Let's help figure that out. That's just the essence of unconditional mattering. And, and what she did is she was talking about raising children. And I thought this was a really good point. You know, and, and, and my kids are all well beyond me coaching them to anything anymore. But I thought, oh boy, I wish I sort of had known that. And this is what I wish I'd known. Instead of assigning chores to the kids, having a list, which is good and that's healthy, she said she really tried to do, they tried to do their chore list on weekends doing it this way, which was a question she would pose as a family to everyone. What do you see that needs to be done today? What do you see that needs to be done today? Because what she was trying to do, her and her husband, was, was to get the kids to see the world, to see it, and to see and to ask that question, oh yeah, what am I responsible for? What's out there for me? She used a beautiful story, you know, of her, of her oldest son with her youngest son, you know, and the he, he, thing he saw that needed done was the little brother needed walked to school. You know, how good is that? Jesus said, just offer a little cup of water and you're doing my work. That's good. That's where we're open to that, that kind of thing, where we're, where we're open, again, to, to understanding responsibility and opportunity in new ways. So friends, let's just close the service, leaving it open-ended. A question for you to think about this week, or questions. And again, feel free to text me in or text me during the week if you want to have a little conversation about it. Think about these questions. Today, who are you responsible to? And what are you responsible for? See that with a smile. Don't see it from guilt. See it as an opportunity. And remember always, you matter. You matter. And what you can contribute matters even more. Amen. So friends, what we're going to do now is we're going to take a little breath. and shift into the close of our service. The way we're gonna close it is we're gonna do a little prayer, then we're gonna do the Our Father, then we'll have a blessing, a little moment of some quiet meditative music, and then we'll get into our beautiful last song. And again, thank you, thank you for being here with us today. So please join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you, Lord, for that reminder of responsibility. Help us ask that question. Who are we responsible to? What are we responsible for?
And allow it, Lord, not to be an answer that kind of detaches us from life, but, but allow it to be an answer that actually grounds us in life, in the here and now, in what is right in front of us. Help us to live in that place, Lord. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends. Turn down the lights Turn up the candle Turn down your sight From the heart to handle There's a reason That the freedom you believe in Keeps you seeking your divine journey inside shows the road to travel into the night till the dark unravels there are spaces hidden places you can face it or erase it your You know right where you're going Other times it's hard to find There's a light inside that always knows when It's more about what you need to leave behind A light Turn down the lights, let the faces be gone Burn down the brights, all the matrix neon You can taste it and embrace it You can waste it or misplace it You can find it, get behind it your decision sets a vision There's a reason that the freedom you believe in Keeps you seeking Find the spaces, hidden places Let the hope in 
Have a great week, everybody. Please. Thank you. Take care.